Okay, greetings, um, beautiful souls. As promised, I have a fantastic guest for you. Um, his name is Basil Mead, MBE, and he is he is the the head of the London Community Gospel Choir, which you probably have all heard. And he's here with us tonight. And um, Mr. Basil Mead, are you there? I am here, Imani, and it's lovely to be on here finally. Yes, I've been trying to get you on, and now we're here, and it's um, a, you know, real pleasure to have you on. I'm really honoured and humbled to have you on the show. Um, I've got questions for you, and we've got some of your music as well. But before we go there, please, can you share a little bit about your background, as much or as little as you feel is um, necessary? <laughs> well, I am... Um originally from Montserrat in the Caribbean, tiny island. Um, the last, I think, note to fame was the uh, volcano erupting on the island in 1995, taking out quite a lot of the island. In fact, the side of the island that I was, I grew up on is, is the area that was destroyed. I, I went back to view it in uh, 1998 I think it was uh, organized by Sir George Martin because he lived on the island he's had a recording studio on the by this is the Beatles uh, producer arranger amazing man he spent a lot of his life on Montserrat they had a, a recording studio air studio where many artists would go to re record you name it the um, uh, at a house on the island um, elton john staying luther vandross stevie wonder i mean they all went to monstruct when they wanted paradise in which they could create and record their music monstruct was the place best kept secret they call it at one time um so i, I left there in 1961 so i'm part also part of the windrush um generation and and came to came to london as a i traveled practically on my own age nine not quite 10 yet um on a boat um the the, the yeah back in those days the poor families uh, which i came from couldn't afford airplane tickets so the boat and the the, the boats did the the rounds visiting the caribbean islands from uk to the caribbean uh drop, dropping off at the islands those who are stopping at the islands and picking up passengers this was part of the exodus that took place to the uk from the caribbean invited by the british government post second world war so i'm i'm part of that um generation that uh, that came up during those times um and i've lived here ever, ever since so spent more of my life here than i did on on Montserrat. but Montserrat is still very much uh the the root of my being and and um still consider myself monstration above anything else but we're still british because there's a british governor on the island so we we are given instructions and guidance by British government um, and, and that's basically it um, there's a lot more we would need about 10 programs to fill you in all detail but oh. <laughs> I'll leave uh, I'll leave some of the other stuff for your questions so don't spoil the, uh, the, the surprise <laughs> and the journey that the listener will have oh bless you 
Um, yes, um, that was um, that's incredible. I didn't I didn't realise you were born um, in the Caribbean. I thought you were you were born here. I didn't know. Um, so yeah, that's in, yeah. that's interesting. And um, yeah, I've heard a lot about Montserrat being um, the home for you know musicians and um, people who want to you know create and um, in, enjoy um, what have you. So yeah, wow. I, I, I should have said I I, uh, I went back to, uh, to I was sent back to Montreal invited back by Sir George that was as a result of uh, after the volcano he uh, reached out to a lot of the artists who recorded in his studio in Montreal and invited them to put on a short roll at the hall a benefit concert right. wow. uh, at the time Arrow was still alive do you remember Arrow? Yes. Feeling hot, hot, yeah, hot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Monstration. Yeah, I play him every so often. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he lived there. Yeah, he was, he was still alive. He's, he's no longer with us. He, oh. he was still alive. He, he was on the island. So what happened? You had people like, um, oh my goodness, uh, uh, Phil Collins, uh, Sting, uh, Midio. I mean, the whole list of them came together at the Arbor Hall and uh, so George reached out to me and said Basil I need LCGC will you come and do any backing that is required that is needed by the art so we were I was there with about 50 60 of my members LCGC and um, put on this amazing concert the the, the Royal Arbor Hall was packed to the raptures then simultaneously on Montserrat Arrow was putting on a concert for the the, the remnants uh, who stayed and so people were seeing uh, uh, moments of each concert they had video set up so Montserrat was watching London and London was watching Montserrat it was an amazing thing and we um, they raised a lot of money so that he's, he sent me and uh, about 20 members of LCGC down to Montserrat with uh, some guys from Ireland because Ireland has a long history uh, with Montserrat. Many people don't that. Many Irish people don't know that. Um, it is called the Emerald Isle, like Ireland. The Shamrock is our national emblem. And the, the biggest celebration on the island is is the is St. Patrick's Day. And there are many, mother, many other connections visible connections of Ireland, the, the, you know, the names of the areas, people's surnames, the Irish names. The, you know, the, the, the history is amazing. Um, and so an Irish band was, was sent down with us as well. And we had a fabulous time down there. Amazing. It was absolutely beautiful. Wow. Um, yeah, that's it. That, you know, I love that story and um, the information you've given us there. Because um, yeah, you, you know, we don't know that we don't hear these things. Um, so no, it's really no. lovely when mm -hmm. we can have these interviews where you can tell us the backstory and tell us things that you know that wouldn't be necessarily privy to the yeah. um, you know the, yeah. the wider um, space of people. But um, yeah. we are, you know, you've done something incredible that has been going for how many years? The London community—nearly forty years—that's years. incredible. The London Community Gospel Choir, wow. So, you know, how did that come about? How did that dream become a reality? It, um, 
it was festering for a bit. You know, and uh, by that I, I mean there there were choirs in the various churches dotted around London. Uh, there was a New Testament assembly with Delroy Powell, quite a well-known church organization back then. There was the Pentecostal International Pentecostal Church of Living. I'm an amazingly long name, but they later, I think, just shortened their name when they, they, they got some interest from Madness to be called, and call themselves the Inspirational Choir, because most people can say that easy. The other name was just went on forever. Um, there was the New Jerusalem Choir in Layton Stone. There was the Church of God in Christ Choir. I believe you have some connections to Kojic. Yes, um, my, my gran, I, I went there faithfully with my gran for many years to Sunday school and the, yeah, and my sisters go. are still, I think a couple of my sisters are still there. Wow, well, it's one of your sisters who, who, who we, we chatted with a few months ago who, who brought me up to speed with the, how we knew each other and we had this amazing journey looking back wow. at things that used to happen in Kojic years ago. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Like I say, it's good to hear these stories. Yeah, so uh, we, we would meet up. I, would, uh, I was well known for my Hammond organ playing back in those uh, keyboards. I was one of the few... Uh, uh, a keyboard players around there was Dougie Wallace as well from Koji. Yes, really. Yeah, remember, remember the Wallaces? Yeah, I remember the yeah. Wallaces, lovely family, yes. There you go. Um, and, and so these choirs, I would meet up with, uh, we would meet each other at the conventions and programs, and we would talk, oh, you know, there was such an energy for gospel music around at the time. With leaders would just, just greet each other at the end. Well, you know, the, you know, I'd love to do something with your choir, or I'd love, you know, I'd love to do something with your choir. So the the, the conversation just developing. Well, what about blending all of our choirs together, putting our choirs together to mm. celebrate a one-off evening in London? Just a mass choir. We don't know what numbers we'd end up at, but just celebrate this beautiful music that we love so much. Is it plays a major part in our worship and it, it just gives us all something to do um, keeps us occupied creatively uh, and uh, the idea was there the, the ideas, uh, so the conversation continued probably over two or three years uh, and then um, my, uh, my second in command the church I belonged to was the latter rain outpouring revival quite a mouthful as well Lerore abbreviated okay. Um, Lawrence Johnson was, was my young uh, sergeant major, I'd, I'd, I'd call him, because he uh, he looked after the youth choir of the church. I was the head of music in the church. And, uh, you know, he was very instrumental in talking to some of the other leaders. And uh, at that point, we all, we arranged a, a friend of mine arranged a gospel cruise oh. to Gothenburg. Um and uh, we just put the word out. He just put the word out and invited people, booked in. And it so happens that a lot of people who belonged to choirs came on that cruise. And that brought everybody into one place at the same time. So during that, it was like a 24-hour cruise. It wasn't long at all. Um, we, 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 we left the morning of one day and we came back the following day, evening of the following day. So it was, it was really quick. Um, and the conversation came out, became more targeted. 
during that trip and people were very excited who heard about this idea and wanted to be part of it and so when we got back to uk we we um, got together with the leaders and decided well look let's try and make this thing happen and so you know we looked at dates when we would do it and um started rehearsing invited those who wanted to be part of it they weren't because we we just invited people who were singing in choirs uh, and we, we we i mean part of the conversation which was about empowering each other raising the standard of gospel music in our churches because by this time we were getting american uh, music there was the, the hawkins um, choir, I'm talking Hawkins, Edwin Hawkins, Oh Happy Day, Walter Hawkins, James Cleveland, the Southern California Community Choir, Aretha Franklin, Amazing Grace, um, uh, you know, the Dixie Hummingbirds, the Mighty Clouds of Joy, uh, even Sam Cooke music. I mean, you know, we were getting this, um, you know, it was just inspiring us so much over here in the UK. We wanted to create our own scene here. Wow. And you definitely created something that just inspired and because um, you, you were everywhere as, as far because um, I would see, you know, the, the choir on TV and um, there was all these different concerts. And, and, and at the time, you know, that's a big brain, um, you know, coming together, putting that together at the a young age as you probably were at that time. And what sort of you know, was that something that was always with you? Were you someone who was always a natural leader? Because not only are you a musician, a singer, um, a composer, but you also, you know, you lead these quite these this massive choir that was absolutely, one of the first of its not. kind. Yeah, absolutely not. I I am surprised when I look at uh, the transformation I went through. Um, I, I came from a. a, a country life in Montserrat. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first proper pair of shoes uh, were purchased probably just before I came to England. Um, we lived on a farm, we lived off the soil, it was an amazing life. I mean, I'm, I'm saying about po- poverty in terms of, of, of being poor, in terms of material things, mm. but the quality of life that we, we, we had, the, it was a healthy life and I learned so much. I realized when I came to UK, how advanced I was mm-hmm. in regards to life skills. Uh, being, being able to look after myself and having more a, a sort of adult way of thinking than the children of similar age in the school. I Because by, by the time I came to England, I was working the fields with my dad. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, we were working. The, I mean, that was still happening in many Caribbean islands we were still working as in the slave days mm-hmm. we were still working fields planting cotton I planted cotton I reaped cotton and bagged it wow this was before I was uh, I was 10 years of age um, and 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 uh, you learn a lot by that I would I had animals to look after I would go to the mountain to I understood how nature worked. My dad would send me to the fields if there was illness, if somebody was sick, if I was feeling unwell, he would tell me which tree to go on and, and keep the bark off mm. and bring it back and we'll boil it and that would be our, our medicine. Mm. 
told you about leaves of the trees that you could pick the leaves from and you boil it and that would be your medicine. So I knew this stuff by the age of 10. And that's how, I mean, I wasn't unique. That's how the, uh, the island is named. Mm. You now, know, oh, sorry, yeah, g- g- carry on, uh, Mr. Basil Mood, carry on. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so the, the, the sort of skills I learned, uh, natural survival skills, you might call them, growing up, um, developing into a, 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 a sort of mini adult by that age, which the amount of information I had in my head about how to live, how to look after my body, if I was sick, what I needed to take for it. I, I would be up uh, going to school by five o'clock in the morning. You need to go to the river to bathe. Uh, this is a river through water that's coming from the mountains, so it's damn cold. Yeah, and you bathe because if you went to school and they saw that you hadn't bathed, you'd be punished. <laughs> that that is how strict it was. They check wow, your nails. That's really good. They check your nails. <laughs> yeah, they look in your eyes to see if there's any any residue any from residue. the night. Oh <laughs> <my God. laughs> Um, that is how it was. So we, we, we grew up learning body hygiene, you know, how important it was to look after your body, hygiene and so forth. So it was a bit different when I came to England. Um, it was a bit different, certainly. If you speak to most Caribbeans, they will tell you it was quite different. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Wow, you know, I, I love what what you're saying there. And I, and, and I feel that, you know, you, you've said all that you've said, but I feel that those are the, you know, because it's almost like you, there was a characteristic, there were certain characteristics created you know from all that yeah. you were doing and um i hear so much about you know when people from abroad whether it's caribbean whether it's africa you know they spend a lot of time in nature and it seems as though nature is an amazing teacher as well and oh, um you know absolutely. when people come here they just see opportunities and different things and they just operate in a totally different space you know yeah. in their mind and, and would you yeah would you attest to that would you say yes that that kind of you saw things that maybe your peers over here didn't see or couldn't see or saw as in a, in a different way yeah yeah because it was it was alien to me it was not how i would i was brought up to to cope or to deal or to yeah to address certain things that i was learning uh, certain behaviors from children of my age uh, the, yeah, it was yeah, it was alien to me, and and I I couldn't quite embrace some of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, it came to the point where the, the first day I arrived in school in East London, I, I arrived in in Lower Clapton. Oh, I went to a school oh. called Millfields Primary School. I went to I, Mil- I went to Millfields Primary School. Really? Yes. Look at that. Wow. <laughs> I had a fight on my first day no. arriving at school. Oh my god! I thought it was not a good start, oh. uh, but it, it it kind of introduced me to what what I was to face. That uh, I mean, it, 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 because it was unfamiliar behavior, uh, things were done and said in a different way. I was accustomed, and um, I reacted in a way, rightly or wrongly, that. Um, kind of to me it was the only way I could have reacted at the time because violence was imposed upon me firstly and you're taught in the Caribbean if somebody attacks you like that you don't come home complaining you make sure you defend yourself you stand up for yourself 
<laughs> or you get a beating. You get them. You get a beating if you come home big wimpish and and defeated. Defeat. <laughs> yeah, we were so, taught, we were taught that at home. You know, don't go to school and go. get you know, <laughs> or you come home, you've got to face something. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I faced up, and uh, I never fought again in the school. Never had. Never had. You didn't need another to. Another <laughs> Didn't need to. Did you, not you need taught, to. You taught them a lesson, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, in, in, uh, with that type of background, uh, obviously when coming to England, then I, there was a lot of challenge, many challenges to cope with. And that can have a way of, of suppressing uh, much of one's character, which I think it... it um, it did in some ways. I mean, you were facing some of these conflicts that we faced. I went to a school of 1,300 boys in, in, in the new lower Clapton, Brookhouse School. 1,300 boys. There was a handful of black boys in that school. And so we faced racism every day. We faced the comments, the smack around the, the head when you're not looking by your bigger boys, by the bigger boys. Um, in the streets, you, you you get all the the names, the the walks. Go back to your own country. Um, I remember a shop specifically in Lower Clapton on the the, the main road. There, no, do you to sign that you heard people talk about no walks, no blacks, no Irish, no dogs rather, no dogs. I, I remember the shop. I can go back to it now, but it's changed. There 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 are immigrants running it, yes, and, and yes. people of dark skin. Yes. So, uh, you know, that that's the way things have, have turned out. But it was challenging back then. I'm talking about during my, my early pre-teenage years into my teenage years. Um, a lot of lot of hostility to, to cope with as a, as a young boy. Um, so w the thing is when many of my friends from secondary school would see me or they'd hit me up on the social media and say, well, we had no idea that you had these skills and these talents you're a musician you're a singer you run this famous gospel choir you showed no signs at all in school wow. and, and i didn't it was not there it was not there but uh, um it's a miraculous thing that, that happened to me um during my, my teenage years i met uh, a woman who was the assistant pastor of the church i attended at the time which is the new testament church of god in clapton and uh, she took me under her wings. Um, she saw some potential in me. I mean, so um, I think I also reflected uh, a troubled youngster because uh, someone was said to me from the church, one of the ladies said, you look like you're always ready to fight. You're always angry. Oh, no. You're always angry. What is it? And, you know, you couldn't divulge everything. But uh, my home life wasn't very good. And I was angry. I, I, I had all this thing boiling up in me. And um, yeah, it, it, it shaped the, uh, how, how I was as a, as a, as a youngster at the time. But this woman who later became the most influential person in my life, she took me on their wings. I actually um, lived with her I think from maybe age 19, 20, until I got married. I was 31, thereabouts, 32 when, when I, mm -hmm. I got married. I, I lived with her and she took me on the wings as a son and she mm -hmm. mentored me, you know, kind of diffused some of the anger 
uh, gave me reading lessons, crossword puzzles to do to uh, help me mm-hmm. in, improve my vocabulary. I left school at 15. Uh, I, I just wanted to get out and find independence. Uh, I wasn't enjoying living at home. And um, yeah, like I said, we did a lot of programs to, to fill in the detail. But that is when my life changed. And that is when the because she prayed over me, she prayed on me and asked God to give me the gift, this gift of music that would enable me to bring healing to others through the music I played and through what I did through music. Um, and that is when my life began to change. And those years I lived with her, she's no longer with us, but uh, there are very few days that go by I don't think about her. Um, she, she just loved me and made me feel that I had value. I had something of quality within me that um, should be brought to the surface. and. Um, I was minister of music in the church that she founded and rang and she showed me absolute confidence. She went out and purchased the Hammond organ, I think an instrument that cost thousands of pounds. This is because this was my dream. And uh, she loved gospel music. And she saw America had that. That's what America used in their churches. She bought a brand new Hammond organ, grand piano. She furnished that church with oh, the equipment that would just make every budding aspiring musician in the, in the other churches envy and it did because many of them would come to my church on a sunday in, in, to get a chance to play or just to listen just to be there it was it was an amazing time of my life and that's when all these skills that came to the fore were brought out simply by being in an environment that was positive that was uplifting it, it was loving and that enabled me to develop. Wow, you know, that's a fascinating story. And, you know, finding, you know, somebody deciding to take you and they saw something in you, see your potential and pour into you. And, um, you know, obviously what we have today, Mr. Basil Mead, um, this mm. um, amazing um, choir, you know, that you've um, created and what have you. But what I want to ask you about, you mentioned um, this lady was a praying lady and um, obviously we know that you have very high spiritual values. Can you talk to us about that? How did you um, start to walk? Have you, how did your walk with, with God, with mm. faith, how did that come about for you? And how important is that to every area of your life? I... As I said, I, I left school. I used to go to Sunday school. It was compulsory. Yes, you had here. no choice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you oh, you yes. identify with that. Absolutely. Yeah. You went to Sunday school. Um, I would, yeah. At times, I, I did it, um, rebelling against it, but still had to go um, because I wanted to watch uh, uh, something on the TV. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yes, you remember know. those days? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the school always happened during your favorite, favorite program. Favorite program, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, uh, we went, and then her family went to school, went to church every Sunday together. We always went together. Um, yes, I'd be there, and. Um, you know, you without realizing it, you know, you have a little bit of resentment about always being made to do this thing when you would fancy maybe going to the park to play football with your mates or mm. 
something like that. It was uh, it was present. Those feelings were were there. But I went anyway, and, and without maybe recognizing it, you're you're becoming part of a community yes. uh, without necessarily understanding, uh, you know, the commitment that was needed to become uh, a Christian person. Mm-hmm. You watch watch the uh, the older folk parents and and so forth uh, doing what they do, pray, having prayer and fasting, doing all the other things that we do to uh, develop and and get your faith more grounded. You went through. The motions of these things in a young age but it's after i left school at at 15 and um i felt the freedom i started working so early my first wage packet was five pounds 13 pence wow, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will never have never, never forgotten that five pounds <laughs> and that would last me for a long time it, it would go a long way to buying clothes food to mm-hmm. paying to uh, to use public transport and so forth you know it went a long way but it was mine i worked for it yeah. i didn't have to depend on my mother or stepfather to give me something that uh, mm. felt that they weren't really that comfortable because maybe they couldn't afford to do it and so i saw you things like that I and mean, it made me want to uh, you know, be sporting my own my, myself. So at age fifteen, I left school and started going to the clubs and whatever to like other youngsters, enjoying the music, reggae, soul. It wasn't reggae then; it was a different form of Jamaican music. And and but what I was finding these evenings were turning out to be quite violent because mm-hmm. people were. You were going in these places, you buy all your the latest uh, styles to dress up in, and you go there, you have to be locked in one spot because if you move around and you step on somebody's store, you might get a, end up in a fight. <laughs> yeah, I've heard about some of those things. Yeah. Uh, and people were being stabbed, and people were being knifed. Yeah, I said, whoa, what, what's going on here? Why? Would I want to go into an environment, spend my good money, dress up, go into an environment where I cannot relax? I'm not free. It didn't make sense. And um, I slowly stopped going to those places and I gravitated in terms of somewhere to go to church. Yes. Uh, And the minister, um, I think, uh, saw something in me because I started playing guitar a little bit. My elder brother came to England after me and the first thing he bought was a guitar. And uh, I started watching and listening to him and I picked up the guitar and started strumming. He showed me a few chords and I started strumming. And um, I think at the end of church, I would I would go up with a minister who provided the music for the church. Uh, and I, uh, he, he, he gave me his guitar one day to, to kind of play with a little bit. And I, he saw that I was able to hold a few chords and he started teaching me. Wow. And before long, I was playing in the church. I was I was his assistant playing, providing music in the church because there weren't many musicians around in churches as there are now. And so I, that took my interest and I needed, really needed nothing else. But I didn't really um, uh, find my, my deep faith until uh, I went through, again, some hardships at home. I eventually left home to, to get away, I went to Germany. The, the, all of this, by the way, is in my book. It was available on Amazon. A boy, a journey, a dream. Basil Mead. Boy, a journey, a dream. Okay. 
Boy Journey is available on, on Amazon. Um, uh, and yeah, trying to sell encyclopedias, uh, that, that was because there was a guy down in West End, Leicester Square, um, advertising for people who want to earn quick money, good money, to come to Germany and sell books. Mm. Um, I didn't know too much about it. I suppose I didn't care too much. I just needed to get away. So that was the door that was being opened to me. And I, I took it with the other three guys. Mm. Um, how much time has he got for this program? <laughs> you're, you're good. You're good. Um, I, good. I, okay. You're good to go, yeah. Yeah. Um, we drove to Germany. I remember it very well. It was in a Jaguar. Um, we drove for hours and hours and hours, eventually arrived in Germany to Mannheim. I remember that, that city very well. Uh, we were supposed to have access to American service people uh, selling encyclopedias. During the time I was there, I never saw one book. Um, the other guys who were with me, we all became quite frustrated because we were young guys, teenagers. Yeah. And um, we were looking for some excitement, earning some money, and then being able to live. Had it gone well, I probably would not be talking to you now because I have, would have had no reason to come back here. Oh. And so you've got to look at, at life uh, in so many different ways. Certain things happen for you, positively, for a reason. Yes. For reason. Mm. Um, and so after a couple of weeks, maybe a week, or going into two weeks, I realized my money was running very low mm -hmm. we were sleeping on floors because accommodation had not been arranged mm -hmm. um, we were using our money to eat and okay so this guy was taking us out in the evenings to see the city and go to clubs and stuff mm -hmm. um, so I had a bit of sense and I said well look I'm not going to wait here <laughs> become penniless you know. I can't speak the language um, I'm still sleeping on floors, so I'll, I'll be ending up on the street. So I I went to the station, local station, and I found out what uh, the cost of getting a train back to to through France to the borders to uh, the to get a, a ferry back to UK, and I just about had enough money left. So what I did, I went to bed that night. Woke up very early in the morning. I Left the others sleeping. Yeah. I made my way to the train station, bought my ticket, and rode the train back to to France. I think it was Calais, one of those ports, and got the ferry back to UK. Um, I then rang Olive Paris, the woman I told you took me on the wings. She had her own home, um, vicarage at that time. And I told her my story, she said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I am not going home. I don't want to go back there. I'm not happy there. I, do. I had to run from the home because I had a fight with my uh, stepfather. Mm. He, he tried to, he came at me. We were fighting in a small mm. toilet and went and got a hammer and came at me. And I was quite a physically strong guy at the time and managed to get away from him and ran out the house and I, I never went back it was not long after that I made my way to Germany um, and so she told me well, look it, it, I've got four four rooms here if you want to come and stay in one of these rooms until you decide what you want to do mm -hmm. 
please feel free to do. And that is what I did. I never left until I, I got married. Wow. That's, that is when my life changed. Wow. That's, that, that began the change change for me because she was a very she's an amazing woman she she taught herself computing when they first came out she um developed her own printing press in the church that she ran they used to print her own magazines because she was really a traveling evangelist and she held revival meetings uh, in the new testament church church of god um as as their locally as their in-house evangelist and uh, then when she left that organization she was traveling internationally and that's when my international tra uh, travels began so so i have been on the road before lcgc i was traveling places like east canada um jamaica I had a fabulous time in jamaica and, and, and other places preaching and being the musician by this time she had prayed over me and asked God to bless me. I was playing in her first London meeting within three weeks of that prayer. Having not played piano before, having not seriously played the piano before, well, I, was, I was playing in public three weeks after she prayed over me and uh, I played for that night before I, I finished. You know so much um you know that you you've done and what i want to do now um mr basil mead is um look at you know some of your songs um some of the music that's come from this amazing choir that you put together um i want you to talk to us about why you chose um on your album now that we found love and we're going to play it shortly afterwards yeah. Now that we found love, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those uh, musicians of faith musicians who uh, was not hide and say that I did. I do not only listen to Christian music. It, it's it's never been like that for me. And I, I I was always quite very comfortable with it because I chose what I listened to. And this song is is uh, by Third World. And that's when I heard it. Uh, amazing harmonies, beautiful music. There's another one there that they have on the album, 99 Degrees in the Shades. Caribbean talking about the Caribbean, real hot. Amazing. I, I just got captured by this band. I think they might still be going in, in, in America, but they must be very mature guys now. But I love that song because now that we found love, what are we going to do? And uh, appropriate for our times, um, with all the Black Lives Matter stuff that just uh, we just got through, um, you know, when you have to face stuff like that, it's because of the absence of love. Yes. It's the absence of love that that, that forced people to hate another race, uh, to hate. Uh, uh, a people who have done them no wrong, but they just hate them mm, yeah. because they are who they are. And that's the absence of love. On the other hand, when you find love, love empowers. It allows you to look at others and love the difference that they bring to society, to community, to the world. I think, uh, okay, we can talk about love on another level, love for man, for woman. Um, but you also got the, the love of, of human beings, one for another, yes. appreciating the, the diversity, the difference in each other. And that is where, that, that is what this song uh, projects for me. Uh, when I hear it, 
and um, you know, I can also u- use the, the, the love for man for woman there. It does all of that. So it's a very powerful song for me. What are we going to do with it? Now that we found it, to me, it's in, it, it inspires me to say, well, I need to use it. I need to use it positively. And that's one of the re- motivations behind uh, the activity of the London Community Gospel Choir. We want to promote love amongst all peoples. We, we perform in, in, uh, to Muslim audiences, Morocco, Beirut, uh, Milea, there's a Spanish territories in, in, in Africa. We, we dwell quite a lot in these areas. Russia, Moscow, Japan. You know, looking at audiences that are different to us, look different, their culture is different, but there's a love that inspires us to travel so we can share those moments those special moments and and, and that's all very very powerful so that songs yeah it, it it really brings a a lot of the all of those powerful emotions and feelings for me when i listen to it so without any further ado we are going to play now that we found love by mr basil mead and his an amazing his amazing orchestra the london community gospel choir
thank you. Uh, that was lovely. Thank you for that, um, Mr. Basil Mead. And I, I you know, I, it's a lovely sound. I love that song, and I love the, what you've done. You and the choir have done, you know, with that song. I mean, what is it like for you when you, um, because you, you know, you, you, you do all this and you put all these events out. And also what I understand is that you also, people can come to you last minute and say, I need, you know, some amazing singers. You know, how does it feel for you to see what, um, you know, what you've created and how it's blessed other lives as well? It's, it, it is very empowering. And I might say the, the young lady singing the lead on that song is my daughter, Stephanie. Okay. Yeah, it's very family, a musical family, mm-hmm. um, all, all um, performing and living in the industry, performing with many others, uh, professional people. Mm-hmm. Um, the... The feelings that uh, it, it evokes in me when when I I look on TV, for example, and and see uh, artists, singers, musicians who have spent time in the London Community Gospel Choir, um, it, it makes me very proud, um, and it it makes me feel that I am actually contributing, contributing to people's lives and to. Uh, the enjoyment and the upliftment of the community. We, we, we're talking about mental health being a main issue during these um, COVID times. But, uh, you know, this is one way of addressing that because these people are performing all over the place. They, uh, if I look at Eric Clapton's backing vocals, they, I'm talking about LCGC ladies, Michelle John. She was, she was one of my youngest my youngest members Michelle she was recently on the show actually yes. lovely lady yes well, well Michelle is wonderful we, we we chat every now and again I keep in touch with her she keeps in touch with me yeah. you, you know uh, there, there are so many of them that I see uh, behind other artists and in their own right as well they're earning their living from that their confidence grew they they were given a platform on which they can develop their their skills, their self-confidence. Because I think you can have the best voice in the world, but if you're not confident, yes. Yes. it will not come, it will not uh, be, be appreciated on the level. It, uh, you know, because you won't, you won't have that confidence to believe in yourself, that freedom that you need as an artist to perform or play your instruments, your confidence has to be high. And another thing I always say to people, you know, a, a certain amount of ego is needed. Yeah, mm, yeah true. The ego. You, yeah, you need, uh, you need ego to perform because you're, you're putting your, your soul on the line in front of an audience of people who, you know, if it's 2,000 people, it, it should be 2,000 criticizers. They can be there just criticizing you, the way you sing, the way you look, you know, everything about you. So if you are vulnerable in that way and you're going to be thinking, oh, my God, how, what are they going to think of me? Is my voice good enough? You will never get out there. That but you need, a, yes. yeah, you need a certain amount of ego, but some people lose it. They lose their control and then they come unpleasant in their personality in different ways. But... You know, I, I, it's wonderful to be developed. And, and uh, when I received my uh, my MBE three years ago, I, I said to people that that MBE was uh, it has my name on it, but it's for all the people who have 
being in the choir. All the people have come, they've spent their time, they've traveled, you know, getting to bed at four o'clock in the morning after doing a gig, um, getting up the following day to go out on the road to do another gig. And, and you know, it, those people sacrifice. Mind you, they've loved every moment because it's exciting. Yeah. You don't do that forever. You do that for a period in your life. And it, it's exciting. You have, like me, I have many stories I can tell because I've been on the road. I've traveled to so many countries with so many different people, all different personalities. I cannot remember them all. I, I, I do help. <laughs> I do need help in remembering all the names of people who've been through the London Community Gospel Choir. But if I see the faces, I, I will not normally remember. But it's been an amazing thing. It gives me great feeling and satisfaction to see that I've been able to impact other people's lives in a way that helped them to realize their dream. Wow, um, fantastic answer as um, as you've been giving um, in this interview here. And, and, you know, you mentioned about your MBE and what was it like to receive that? And how, how does it work? Because we, we see people with the MBE and the Queen and what have you. But how does it come together? Do you get a letter in the post? How does it all come together? How do you get nominated or whatever the process is? Well, it's, it's done anonymously. I, oh. I, I still don't know who nominated me. Really? Wow. Yeah, they don't tell you. Wow. But it's apparently uh, meant to happen that... Um, for those who've been working sacrifice sacrificially, selflessly, doing something, maybe just something that they love doing, and it's impacting the community. It's, it's not about them; it's helping others. It's it's doing for the community. Um, I mean, I have been targeted as the, the one who really gave gave rise to the first gospel community choir because that's what it that's what lcgcr we have the the blueprint for that and um, that is what the choir was it's, it's a community majority or all were church-based or faith-based but now it's it's uh, you have you find community choirs are all over all different color they're blonde blue-eyed i mean multicultural the whole mixture because it, it really has impacted the wider community into europe there are hundreds of choirs people coming from all different organizations and just decided to come together to sing and more so gospel music um so i somebody must have recognized my tireless work over the length of time i think probably it's not just lcgc but i had my church choir the laurel choir prior to lcgc so it's been a long long road and someone had noticed that and uh, must have gotten in touch with um uh, because the prime minister's office or where, where the nominations go to initially um what they did was get in touch with my office unknown uh, uh, unknown to me and um they then started communicating without letting me know. They they were sworn to secrecy. Wow. Oh, wow. So, uh, and they sat on this for, for months. I think probably about six months. By this time, they were helping to uh, dig and find information about me, things that we did. I did, uh, my background, the choir, how I formed it, all, all sorts of different bits of information sending to the... Um, the, the, the people who put these things together. Eventually, I think they said they got the call maybe about April or May the year. I, I 
got a, a letter uh, through the post one morning and I saw there was a seal on it and it had something special about it. So uh, I picked it up and carefully opened and when I opened it, I saw uh, a royal, what do you call it, heading, heading paper and ooh, I read it and I thought, well, I think I, I read it, but it didn't really sink in what it was. Uh, so I put the letter in my rucksack, went into your office, and the two ladies were sad. So um, I, I sat down, took the letter out, and said, well, I got this letter from the post this morning. As soon as I said that, their arms flew up in the air and grinned, oh smiling from <laughs> ear to ear. So I said, what's the matter? Do you know about this? They said, yes. For how long? They said, oh, we knew since April. So, you know, I, I went off in her. Wow. <laughs> and they said, yeah, we had to keep quiet. We couldn't say anything. They told us to keep quiet and just give them the information that they needed. Um, and so I was notified then. But I went to Dubai for holiday for Christmas, New Year's. Okay. And I think I, I, I was on the, on the, the beach on a, on, a, on a chair, my phone nearby on a table. And all of a sudden... You know, when you receive notification that messages are arriving, my phone went off. I can imagine. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. And when I opened this, congratulations, congratulations. Oh, because at that time, it was made public through the um, yeah, the website and so forth. So, and the, the, yeah, that's when, I, uh, that's when I was notified. And then uh, the June, following June, I, I went, I was invited to the palace to, um, uh, to come and receive my... My award. Wow. It was uh, it was amazing. There there was there were many people who were awarded, and uh, Eddie Nestor, um, one of our radio presenters, oh, yes, yes, Eddie, Eddie um, and uh, Robbie G, yeah, yeah, the, oh, the pair of yeah. comedians. Yeah. yeah, Eddie's well known on Radio London down in London for the drive time. Yes, uh, really, really good guy. So we when I walked into uh, walked into the room, there were seventy other people in the room. There were three black people wow. uh, which was quite tremendous which uh, i i took up with some of the people i um who presented to me and and um i i was actually invited down to the home office to um interview for a video addressing that mm -hmm. because i said there are many more black people doing amazing things in the community how come there are only three of us among 75 wow people uh, in the room it was it was it was crazy so i looked at nebby uh, eddie nesto i said what are you doing no he said to me first what are you doing here really? oh my God. <laughs> all the people looked at the two of us and said all these guys are they crazy so i said what are you doing here and we just cracked up laughing and uh, you know made such a, a, a lovely moment out of it um so it was it was, it was a good day uh, i took my youngsters with me, um, oh. my, my, my youngsters, Leon, Vanetta and Stephanie. So they were all there dressed up, feeling, feeling proud. Because oh. um, they've been part of the journey. Stephanie conducted the choir at age 12. Oh my goodness. Wow. Vanetta, yeah, they dragged them in deep. Uh, Vanetta, similar. Maybe she started by age. She conducted was about 14. Oh. Leon is was uh, traveling i had them touring with me through scandinavia when they were babies leon was on stage with the choir age two choir mascot wow. they've been touring they've been on the road since they were babies mm. 
Goodness. Wow. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's quite quite amazing. Quite quite amazing. So I am I'm very grateful for the the life I've been able to to lead. It's not as glamorous as people think it is. Um, certainly, I, I haven't come away with uh, with millions. And <laughs> by all means, I haven't made money from it. In fact, it's the other way. I think I've probably put more mm-hmm. money into it than I've I've, I've uh, made for myself. But it's 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 about doing what you love. Mm-hmm. That is quality life. Uh, doing what you love, and hopefully you can pay your bills. And if you can do that, then you're you're living. And uh, thank God for that. It's been a struggle. It's been very, really tough at times, but uh, still here doing it and loving it. Wow. Yeah, that's an amazing story, amazing journey. And so um, wonderful that you've been recognized. Um, and I love the story about your staff um, withholding <laughs> it from you and um, making yeah. decisions, you know, and believe it, you know, knowing that you deserve it and they wanted you to have it. and it all came to fruition that's wonderful um we want to look at another song um sun in rain how did that song come about um and what does it mean to you sun in the rain was written by my choir conductor uh rebecca thomas and uh my son-in-law who's a musical he's a producer great keyboard player a songwriter he's married to my daughter stephanie um, it's just a family affair. <laughs> <laughs> they they wrote that song, and really, it's 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 about it again, encouraging people um, who are going through stuff. Mm-hmm. When it's cloudy, it's rainy. It seems like the situation you're facing, you're struggling with, will never change. Mm-hmm. But the sun always shines. The sun always shines and sometimes you see the rainbow in the sky as a result of the rain and the sun coming out. And it's, it's about having hope, encouraging people to be hopeful, to don't lose the faith, don't lose self-belief, don't, don't throw away the, the possibilities, uh, the, the enjoyment, the things that you've achieved in the past for a moment of struggle and hardship because the sun will shine again. The sun will shine even while it's raining. Wow. So, again, without any further ado, we are going to play Sun in the Rain. Do I feel when me 
Okay, Mr. Basil Mead, thank you. Um, another song of, you know, with so much wisdom and encouragement um, that you share with us today. Mm. I, I released a song last year, my, my first single. My, my son Leon has been encouraging me, or rather uh, bullying me to uh, get a single out. Uh, yeah, he, he bullies me quite, quite oh. a lot. <laughs> um, so and and I will get Kaylee to send that to you also, so you can have that. Oh, it's on my journey now. It's got my journey now. On my journey now, love that. Yeah, I will look out for this. So, okay, I'll get Kaylee to send that. Wonderful, um, Mr. Basil Mead. We have talked. You've shared so many gems with us, and you've shared your story and you know the wonderful music um, that has come from the choir that. Um, you wonderfully put together what i would ask you is um you know we've had a bit of a rough time globally in 2020 and so many people have been left you know just feeling helpless and hopeless and you know people have you know lost loved ones people have lost jobs you know whole businesses have gone down um what would you say to people you know obviously you are a man of courage strength and um determination what would you say to people to start dreaming again or to pick themselves up what would you say to encourage them um it's a very difficult one you know because um we're we're all in a no man's land we're we're all hanging in limbo there's so much so much 
so much uncertainty about our future uh, because this COVID, this virus has influenced every aspect of our life, the way we work, the way we relate to our loved ones or not. It, it, it's a separated our lives, our ordinary day-to-day -day, uh, way of living has been affected by it. And um, it has its effect. It has its, it, it, it has impacted our lives in a very negative. Some people say it's, that it has been positive for them because they've been able to find time to do things that they were not able to do when they were on the treadmill of, yes. of daily, <laughs> daily living. Um, but it, negatively, it's 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 controlling you. It's it, it's telling you where you could go, when you can go. Who you can go with, mm. who you can meet up with. Mm. I mean, it's it, it has its impact mentally, uh, emotionally, and physically because it, in some ways, it stops you from doing what you would normally do, which would be getting exercise mm. from your activities instead of having to specifically exercise. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? It's 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 all of that. So. Uh, it 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 can have a very dis destructive, negative effect on on people's mental attitude and the, the way they view life because it, it's sucking all of the hope, the aspirations, and the energy you have to do things, things that you've planned. I'm a, I'm a, an artist, a, a, a traveling artist. I tour, and everything that I have had for the past year going into uh, twenty. Uh, 2021 has been pulled all the the, the, the the gigs that we would have done abroad the local gigs that we've done certainly have been cancelled the tours abroad have been cancelled and I don't know if they're going back into if they can or will go back into the place for this year I'm hoping, I'm keeping hope that it will because I have to do that I cannot give up I mustn't give up, we mustn't give up uh, that things will return to might not be identical to how it used to be because with this new virus until they've really found a healthy solution a healthy way to address it and and bring it under control you cannot be 100 percent positive in planning anything but i'm still hoping that there will be some form of normality that or return to a form of normality that i can feel optimistic about uh, uh, what, what i do for a living and my, my next few years um so i'm encouraging people to to be hopeful do not lose faith because if you do that then you're going backwards you're allowing this virus to dictate to you to dominate you and control you in the way that uh, it seems at times that um, some of our leaders would want it to. But we as the people, as the nation, as the, the, the human beings must not allow these things to um, dominate our lives in every aspect. They might be able to control our movements, our activities to a degree, but the our own way of thinking, our own way of processing uh, our, the, our, the information and, and interacting with the things that we want to achieve should 
re be retained and, and kept alive. Let's put some energy into that and take some time to focus on that and 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 be be strong, be strong. That's a, that's what "Sun in the Rain" is all about. The song, it's um, it, it's raining all around us. It's raining virus, but we must recognize the sun will shine and give us that ray of hope that we must hold on to. It is there. Wow, you know, you um, you've just talked about um, you know um, not the the uncertainty of things and. Um, you know, you're you're hoping that this year you're able to kind of carry on your wonderful work. But what I'd also ask you, I know obviously we are in uncertainty, but what are you dreaming of? What are you looking forward to in the next two, three, four, five years with your work and anything new that you have in mind that yes, maybe on hold, but it's something you hope to pursue and bring about um, in the future. Mm. Well, I mean, something very pressing on, on my mind at the moment is surviving my business, the choir, uh, surviving because we've not been able to work since February last year, almost a year. Uh, we support, we're self-supporting. We have not uh, depended on local authorities or any grant uh, or, or giving our organizations so for, for money to survive. We worked and uh, paid for our building, whatever we needed to do. We are professional artists, but we have not been able to work. Yet we are paying bills. We're having to pay bills. Now, we have not been successful with the, what the applications for grants that we put, we put in. Um, and, and it's getting very, very close to the edge for us because uh, you know, we're not a rich organization by any means and whatever we have been able to generate and preserve to support us is, is right at the, the bottom. We are scraping the bottom of the barrel at the moment. So we need to secure some funding, government funding to help us to survive the next term and next period. Um, and and I mean, as, as I said to some of them, you know, we we have not made application grant applications before, so this is a completely new thing for us. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's a quite a specific area we are learning. You you cannot just uh, uh, write stuff on the paper. You have to be specific to what they are looking for. And if you don't know, then you you think you're putting a very open, clear. Uh, what do you call request to get support but they throw it back at you without telling you where you've gone wrong and you cannot speak to anybody who can give you guidance and that is one of the the worst frust big frustrations for us at this minute and to think that an organization who uh, is a pioneering organization uh, is is just not being considered for to be supported is outrageous so in terms of my most immediate plan or desire is to be able to break through that that particular wall and and find a solution to getting support that we need because i want to continue doing what we're doing i, I wanted to expand on it and um, reach more people in the community i i teach workshops as well as specializing in gospel singing i traveled extensively throughout europe working with choirs in all over europe these are, are not uh, black people they're not uh, they're not british black and american they are they're europeans 
speaking different language, but they're all embracing the, the, the genre, the art form, and they, they want to know what it is that we possess that enable us to present this music in the way that we do, that, in, that touches them and makes them want it. And so I'm happy to travel and, and uh, you know, try and share it with them so that they themselves, they form themselves into choirs. Wonderful people, absolutely wonderful. Some of my best friends are, are, are in Europe. Um, so my passion, my desire is so that I can survive with my organization and continue doing what we, we do. We are happy looking after ourselves and working for our daily bread, so to speak. But there are funds there that will enable organizations of value. And I certainly believe that we are an organization that has brought value to our society for many, many years and will continue to do so. Uh, but we need to be shown some love and consideration. Wow. So um, with that said, how can people help the um the, the London Community Gospel Choir. What is there anything in place for for the wider community or people who love the the choir and um, who want to support? We, we've uh, we've thought about putting up a, a GoFundMe. Um, we could, what do you call it? Uh, outreach to see if people would you um, give us some support in in that way. We. Um, but you have to present these things in, in, in a way that the public can, can see it's genuine. We are genuine. We're, we're, we're not scammers. We're honest, honest in what we do. So um, we've we discussed that. Uh, and we, we will, I think at some point, we'll, we'll do that. Um, but we'll, we'll, I think if we can get the support of the grants, the grants that the government has made available. Firstly, we would not go down the GoFundMe because so many people have jumped on that that, that particular yes, yes. wagon. Uh, maybe as a last resort, we we would do that. And hope hopefully that people will will see the genuine need to support us. But the, the government grant is, is is there. It's been made available. We just need the organisations that we apply to to see who we are. That we do. We are worth saving. We are worth supporting. But they can only do this if they talk to us. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is it. You know, sometimes the I'm not sure the applications, if they, and, and what you might have is somebody sitting on, on, on a desk, behind a desk, getting an application. They don't know who we are. Mm. Because I'm not assuming for one moment everybody knows us. In in uh, even though uh, you know we are a very well known group, I'm assuming the person sitting at the desk knows who we are. So you might just see it's another religious organisation. But some of them have a problem with with supporting organisations that are faith based or religious based. We we do not promote religion when we go on stage and with the work we're doing. It's it's a different. But they don't see it that way. Yeah. So having a conversation with someone will make all the difference. I mean, the sort of stuff I'm talking to you now, I have to be able to share this with someone and they hopefully they would see that, you know, I am I'm not here trying to convert people to my, my, my faith. It's not what I'm about. Absolutely not. Wow. Yeah, and we just wish and hope and pray that, you know, everything um, is sorted so that, you know, the choir can continue because I'm sure you know you are I mean for 39 years and I, I definitely know that this is going to be um, a choir that's here to stay 
So we just hope that um, you are able to speak to somebody and, you know, get them to see your vision for the future and how it's impacting not only mm. the, the lives of people in, you know, who is part of your faith, but even beyond that, as you were saying, people abroad and all different kinds of communities. So, yeah, we just hope that um, that your, you know, your dream to keep things going um, is continued. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Yes, I certainly pray and hope so. Yeah. So, Mr. Basil Mead, thank you so much for being on the show. I've been truly honoured, truly humbled and blessed, um, as I'm sure the listeners have as well. And um, what we're going to do, we are going to play out with the song that you've been bullied, <laughs> the On yeah. My Journey. Um, do you want to say a few things about that before we play and um, we um, end this segment of the show? Well, this uh, this song, my journey now is is one that's been sitting uh, in, in my my recorder for for a long time. Started writing it some years ago, and uh, my son Leon, he um, said said, Dad, Dad, what what about a song you you wrote a few years ago? Come on, let's go to the studio and and, and get it finished. Uh, and he, so he set aside a day and and um, was there. He controls the studio, and then we went about. Um, recording it and the, he laid down the drum tracks and um, put my vocal on, got some of his mates to come and play keyboards on it, I played some of it as well um, and so yeah, he's, he's my um, motivator hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they, 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 this song speaks of my, like, I've had a very interesting journey, I've shared some of it with you in my interview with Imani and um the journey continues. I still see it as a journey. I am nowhere near reaching the um, the final stop. But uh, please God that He keeps me healthy and sane. Uh, keep my mind so that I can continue uh, exercising some wisdom in my ch- choices that I make. Um, my my heart is totally taken up making music particularly gospel music and just sharing love life positivity respect with everybody i meet irrespective of color culture fat or thin beautiful or ugly there are no ugly ones we're all beautiful somebody said um yeah, it's 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 what I'm about. It's been the the source of my energy for living, and uh, please uh, pray God that it continues. Wow, my journey now. Wow, yeah. So we are playing that right now, um, and um, we are also saying goodbye and thank you to Mr. Basil Mead for you know being here on the show. Really, um, really enjoyed you know your contribution, and um, feel really blessed to you know speak to you and hear the wisdom coming through you and i wish you continued success in you know all that you're doing and um blessings to you your family and the the family of the the choir the choir family because i'm sure they're they're kind of a family as well to you oh absolutely oh yes very much so very much so the once a member of lcgc always a member i've got former members who are i mean they're longing for a reunion so we might do that for our fortieth. Oh, wow. We might do that for our fortieth. I think that's a big celebration. They're already asking about it, so that we should look out for that. Wonderful. 
So just announce the song and we will, um, you know, we will play. Thank you, Imani. It's been wonderful talking to you. Long may you continue. It's been, um, your sister will be very happy that we've finally managed to get this done. Shout out to Jeanette. (laughs) (laughs) Bless you.